Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey, hey guys, it's another Sunday night. Are you ready to take the couch? It's Dr. Delvina and I'm here for another episode of the Brain Love Podcast. You guys every you guys know every Sunday night at 8 p.m. a new episode drops. And tonight I have a very special guest. And let me tell you, this is a cold interview. And I'm going to say cold because I have never met this gentleman. I've never spoken to him on the phone. I actually heard him in a room in Clubhouse. And I reached out to him and said, oh, my God, I got to talk to you. I have to interview you. I need to I need to talk to you further. I need to hear about your experiences and I need to share them with my audience. And he obliged. You know, right away he responded back to me and, and said, sure that he would that he would come on and share his story. So I want you to help me to welcome Victor. So, sir, I see here it says Victor Bell, but, you know, we've been corresponding and I see Victor Edwards. So where do you go by? Uh, my born name is Victor Bell, but I go by Victor Edward. Uh, my middle name is Edward. Um, and because of, uh, of my, my ministry, Victor Edward Ministries, I go by Victor Edward. Got it. Okay. So he is Victor Bell, Victor Edward Bell of Victor Edward Ministries. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, really honored to be a guest. Um, when you initially messaged me, I was, um, I'm always honored to uh, be able to share uh, my testimony and to uh, be able to dive into it. Um, I'm, I'm madly in love with Christ Jesus, so. As the scripture says in Romans 3, 4, um, God be true and every man be a liar. Uh, we are not integral creatures. We don't, we try to keep our word, but we don't. God does. So if he gives me an opportunity, whenever he gives me an opportunity to represent him and to talk about him, I'm always honored to do that. So when you reached out to me, it was, it was abrupt, but it was, it was the way you reached out to me was powerful. I was like, well, she, this must really have reached her. Cause I didn't know she was in the audience. I didn't know she was listening, you know, that hard. So it was, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be on the, on this, on the show tonight. All right. Yeah. Whenever I'm in a room on clubhouse, I don't, I don't go in rooms often, but anymore. Um, I used to go on a little bit more than I do now. I rarely go on, but if I'm in the room, I'm paying attention. Um, I'm listening, you know, that's the purpose of being there in the room. And, um, Without further ado, the, the room that we were in, it was a poetry spot that is moderated or hosted by the Ingrid B. If you're from South, South Florida, you know that Ingrid B has been around for a while. Um, and she's a very well-known promoter, um, hostess with the mostest, shall I say. And, um, and she provides a lot of uh, poetic um, and not just poetry, she provides a lot of other type of entertainment. She has um, the B-side is, is what she, um, is as, that's how she identifies her um, parties and gatherings and promotions. Everything is done through the B-side. And so um, Mr. Bell was in a room that she was hosting a poetry night. And um, you know what, Mr. Bell, do you, do you have that poem that you that you um, shared, is that committed to memory or do you have it on paper? Can you share that poem right now as the lead in for tonight's discussion? Sure, um, give me one sec, yes ma'am. Okay, so as he's pulling up that poem, you know, I told you guys that this is an episode about a taboo topic, a taboo subject is what I'll call it. Um, you guys know that I talk about everything under the umbrella of mental health and wellness, including sex and relationships. I don't just talk about the vanilla things. I don't just talk about depression and bipolar and schizophrenia and sleeping problems and nutrition and weight management. I, it's not limited. The brain encompasses so many things. The brain is the boss, man. The brain is in charge of a lot. And that's why you'll hear me talk about brain love. And you know, brain love breaks down into, it means something. It's an acronym. Brain love stands for a lot. And if you listen after we finish this interview, I always conclude every episode starts the same. It has the same introduction and we end it. Also, the outro is the same. And the outro is me explaining what brain love stands for. And so Mr. Bell is going to talk to us tonight about his sexual timeline. 
you know, that's what we're getting into. And um, this poem that I heard him recite and the, the B-side in this room that we were in, this poem is about the previous struggle he had, his former struggle that he had with, um, I would say, sexual desires. I'm not going to say the challenge now because he will tell you he has found Christ, he has been delivered, and he's no longer challenged by those things. But I'm going to ask him some questions, though, because I know some of you are naysayers and you're like, nah, man, once you've done something, it's, you always have that desire. So we're going to talk more to Mr. Bell. But Mr. Bell, let me know when you're ready with that poem. I'm ready now. All right, go. Do your thing. All right. We got to hide. We got to disappear. We got to cover it up. There's so much that looks good, so much that feels good, sounds good, but there's just never enough. But why not enough? Look at it. Stare at it a little longer. I mean, ain't it good to the touch? It's all we needed. We're satisfied. But things happen when look good, feels good, sounds good, just might be too much. But never mind that. You and I want what we want. We want what we like. Simply what we see on a journey to life different than our anatomy. Some could call it a ploy or maybe to him and he just call him a boy. But to him and he, it's really just me. At least that's what the doctor said when the boy was born. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. This boy done stumbled across something. Something stumbled across him. Soap opera sex with rose petals and entering romance. Then some hot, some something hides in the kisses, something hides in the trees and the fruit above the stars. I'll go past thee, most high. I'll go past thee. I could just hide in this boy. I can make him think he's a girl or in a woman, as a woman in love. Now that's crafty. I'll outlast, see, past the fasting, past denominations, past praise breaks and masculinity, past prayers, his soul won't get past me. Hide and seek to abuse, to admiration of girls at school, pet names and general affection, hugs and kisses. Boy, you must be a fool. Yeah, fool, put your hands up and fight. Yeah, that's right. Or just, what's up, cousin? What's up, nephew? But hold up that left, throw up that right. But he goes to bed wishing he was a girl at recess at church or the dinner table. He wishes he was her at night. Because I'm trapped in this body of boyish ugliness, boyish anger, boyish pride. Will I find love like females? I want love like females. The only thing I really desire, hiding the switch in his walk, hiding the change in his talk, hiding in dark rooms with boys, hiding self-serving satisfaction, some he can see, some is within. I'll go to the end of the road. Still, I can't let go. It's not natural. I will comfort him just to be with me. No. Yeah. One of y'all Christians, I heard y'all say that. But I was like, you know what? I'm just saying. Now we hiding and seeking, thinking like a girl. Now he's creeping, thinking like a woman. Imagine how a man would make him feel if he could seek him with romantic deep blends, no rape or molestation, just to surrender to femininity, fishing with women fins, trying to ward off the other shocks from the deep end. You black as you don't know what, boy. Your shoes less than paid less. We gonna fire him up with those hand-me-downs at recess. He is managing the lie that he was a boy through verbal onslaught. Yeah, he's living a lie. So hidden, so untrue, both. But true is he started believing what they said and a reaction got through it. Hide and blend in like a bully. Bully the bullies is what made sense. You want respect? You want friends? Maybe they'll like you while you hide what you really want. You want what men do. No one will ever know behind the muscles, the womanizer and football man, you can put on a show. Fooling everybody all through college, throwing parties, trying to sell gas beef, fly making money in bed with a man, hide from your homies, you gotta be fast, B. Had a whole girlfriend and no one knew he was going to swinger parties. Man, that's crafty. Still louder and louder than adequacies that kept blasting, see? Man to man, woman from woman, 
spilled like a hollow drum. That's tragic beat. Started hearing laughter, see? Behind tears and frustration, that's sadness beat. Loud whispers, talking fast, peeps. Come to me, come to find out. Ain't no voice, no real secrets. No one, no more hide and seek. He wanted love, love with men. Yeah, my secret was coming after me. I kept hiding till 1 to 11. Walked down the basement stairs sometime after 7. One voice said, come out. Walked straight gate through the door. But a louder voice whispered and started and said, you, should, you know you should go sin no more. It was a divine presence. What? Leave me alone. I don't want to hear that mess. Still hiding, saying no to this stuff in my chest. Louder and louder. The voice won't stop. Victor, Victor. It was like I'm standing in the face of the cops. So I got mad. You listen. You see? You mean I can't be gay no more? I ain't trying to hear that. I need men. I need their love. And by the way, where you been at? Through the abuse, through the pain, through them calling me names? I don't want your way. I still want the same. Same peace, same insecurity. Feeling ugly and mad. The attention from men, man, it makes me glad. I told this voice, I have to be with men. This is my identity. Let me scream louder. You have no idea what it's been like to be me. I didn't hear anything for a few seconds. It was a type of being dead. Then a surge of life hit me with stronger voices in my head. It was one voice and it sure wasn't dead. I was dissed, I was lied on, betrayed, spit on, beat with glass. They cursed my name, murdered me like trash. But the reveal of all that was said, of all that I've been through, the revelation is I did it because Victor, I love you. I knew no sin, I still loved you so much that I died. I overcame all things, even the I'm born gay lie. The blood covers, it washed you clean. My spirit transforms you, it gives you power. It's divine, it's intoxicating with the internal life theme, no condemnation beam. As long as you live the truth, it completely makes you free. So give me fornication. Give me the Remy and Jen. Add the weed, the swinger parties, plus the orgies with men. Give me your life, Vic. I will make you whole. Give me your life, Vic. I'll justify your soul. So this is real love. Searching for a real love. Man, he set my heart free. His affections from above. No sex with men or with women. Asking what they let me ride. No temporary satisfaction. I'm on a Jesus high. Wow. I told you all a story full of sex, lies, and weed. Wild parties and all the way to the end. I saved the best for last beat. The spirit raised Jesus quick on my mortal body. Through this poem, I reached thousands of souls. Plus 10 years of marriage to a beautiful wifey. I don't call it spoken word, man. I just call it crafty. Thank you. That, thank you. I, I suppose you just shared how many years of your history? Like, where does that poem begin for you in your life and where does it end? Uh, I was five years old. I was at my babysitter's house. Um, um, I was, I just came out of the, back room with um, her sons and my brother, we were playing with our Ninja Turtle toys. Um, living in Germany at the time, my parents, but my dad was in the military. And um, she was telling us to come out of the room and get ready for lunch or what have you, just but just get done playing with the toys toys because we were making a lot of noise. And um, as, as I came outside, uh, I sat on the uh, floor near the couch, I remember seeing uh, General Hospital credits come on. And there was this scene uh, there was a scene where uh, a man was walking down the beach with a woman. And he swept off her feet. And there was a scene where a man was uh, at a dinner table with a woman and they were drinking wine. It was like a beautiful romantic, romantic table. And then there was the scene where they were having just passionate sex. And they were, and the bubbles were covering them up. But the way they were, she was, her, her body was wrapped around the man and the way her neck was tucked underneath his neck and the way they were kissing. And it was, it was like, Six seconds of like firework, sensual passion. I didn't know what those words meant then, but I know what it looked like to me now. And right then, I said, you know what? I, I see what the man is doing. 
but I want to be the woman because I want to feel what she feels. She's loved. She must be loved because she's got swept off her feet on the beach. She's uh, eating and drinking at this beautiful romantic table. And now he is touching her and holding her and kissing her. And the way her body is responding to him, this must be love. And I want to feel that. And from that day, I desire to be the woman because I felt to, to ever experience real love, you, I would have to be able to think and present myself as a girl. Wow. Wow, wow, and wow. And so you're recalling that you saw those images at the age of five? Yes, I was five years old. Still in kindergarten. PM kindergarten at that, at that too. <laughs> okay. So in your five-year-old mind, you thought, okay, I, that looks good to me. That looks like this lady is really being loved by this man, and I want to be loved in the same capacity. I want to be loved on, too. Yes, that's exactly right. And so you interpreted starting at the age of five, and I'm going to ask you next, for how many years did you actually believe that you could only receive love in that capacity as a woman? And, and um, you know, you're basically saying you didn't believe, and, and I'm not, I don't want you to think I'm challenging you this um, challenging, challenging you for this, but just trying to understand it and get some clarity here. Um, because at five, of course, you don't know anything about love. You don't know anything about intimacy. But um, let me back up. For how long did you believe that? How long did that belief last for you? It started um, at age five and it went on for how long? To age 22, just before, I, it was the the uh, January 2nd, 2011, as you heard in my poem, 1 to 11, uh, it went up to 22. And I really, it got to the point, where, and I will, we'll get to that part, where I really was getting ready to come out as gay because what I was giving myself to, I couldn't, I couldn't fake it no more. It was like, I couldn't, I couldn't hide behind it no more. I, I, I really, I had really like dove deep into uh, a sexual life with men, so it was. I, I was. I. I. And and it started. It got to the point where I was making it. The, 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 it made me feel more comfortable to be with men. So yeah, to, to the age of twenty two is um from five to twenty two, um and even as a masculine boy that played football and college and high school and was an expiring ladies man and all of that, and by the back of my brain, I always felt that. I won't really know love until I can ex have the, the, the mindful experience of what that woman received in the soap opera bathtub. So it didn't occur to you from age five to 22 that you could be loved in that same way, but be loved as a man by a woman? No, I felt that, well, an understanding of we know, enough knowing what love is, like my family loved me. Uh, my parents been married close to 40 years. Um, I've seen healthy marriages for the most of, most part of my life. I've seen generally healthy relationships. My, my extended family loved me as well. But I thought that was love by default. And what shaped a lot of my thinking about being a girl and not just also not like saying it's impossible. I saw how girls were treated coming up. So I was just watching... Uh, a podcast, a virtual podcast the other day, and I had never heard a man say this other than myself. Now, I know other men have probably said it, but I never heard a man say it. He said, we normalize how we treat girls and we consider them emotionally and their feelings and how we lack consideration for that with boys. He said, I have two, I have children that are twins and my, if my son falls, I'm like, get up, stop crying, be tough. And my little girl falls, I, I say, Come here, sweetie. You okay? Are you all right? Like, um, um, you wipe her off. You, you, you let her cry. You let her drain her emotions. And I watched that growing up. And I was envious of that. Because I saw that girls are treated differently by default. When they fall, when they cry, when they get greeted, you know, growing up in the Black community, 
and maybe even in the white community as well. I mean, this may be, this could be very universal just, you know, from the understanding of hyper-masculinity. But I know for me, being a black man, I see my cousins, uh, older cousins. Uh, my mother only had uh, one sister, so I really had one aunt, but my cousins were so, many, so much older than me, I called them uncle. Then when they greet me, I get body shots, punches in the arm, stuff like that. Um, when my sister falls, my dad picks her up and, and wipes off her knee and gets on one knee and looks in her eyes and consoles her. I didn't, I didn't get that. And I adopted, you know, I'm a punch back and eventually you stop crying or you bump your knee or you see blood, you just kind of like deal with it and you keep it moving. But in the back of my brain, it, it added to wanting the love of a, that a woman would get because I've seen the love little girls get from the start. So I, it maturated over time. And I felt like girls get a better love. Uh, girls get girls get a love that is not, I felt, was not by default. Like, even if the guy's lying, like, I know guys lie all the time. Man. I'm a man, and I've been through enough life to see that and understand that. But at that time, it didn't seem like that to me. I'm like, this is, this is unprovoked love. This is unprovoked affection and consideration for public consideration and affection for little girls going into teenage girls and into women. So I've been with, I haven't been with a lot of women. I just always felt like, nah, I won't know it until I can be loved like her. So I need clarity um, because you mentioned feeling this way from ages five to 22, but then you also mentioned being an aspiring ladies man. When, yes, were, when were you an aspiring ladies man during what age? So from about the ages of five to seven, I had, I had several encounters with boys my age. I was that's why I said I was never in my poem, I was never raped or molested. Um, um and I understand that there's a term called uh uh um child on child molestation. I just I just learned that term uh, maybe a couple weeks ago. Um I guess you could say that that was that happened to me, but it wasn't anything I never wanted. I, I never did anything I didn't want to do. I, I jumped at the chance to be the girl playing house or doctor or whatever, the girlfriend, whatever it may be, because I wanted to be the girl in the bathtub. So I, I never felt like somebody was making me do something I didn't want to do. Um, but around eight to nine, I just, I kind of pushed those thoughts in the back of my head. You know, I had grown up in a neighborhood for a couple of years where I had to fight a lot, had to be violent. I didn't know about being violent. Um, God bless my mother. She had, told us to start fighting back but the way she told us to fight back was to pick up bricks and bottles and, and whatever we need to do to defend ourselves so then my masculinity really like kicked up um so at that point when your masculinity kicks up as a boy it's like when well, you're supposed to like girls and i did i always saw girls as attractive but then i really went on another uh i started to really adapt the mindset of being a much as a, a a ladies man or 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 going after uh, girls that I liked um, as much as I could. So from, I'd say, 8 to 22, on the surface, I was a ladies' man. Like, if you were, my family says today, we know, and I don't say this to be uh, insensitive, but they say, we don't know gay Victor. We know straight, former whoremonger Victor. We've never met gay Victor. We heard about him, uh, but we don't, we don't know him. We've never seen him. Um, so no one knew because on the surface, I was, I was, as I got older, as a teenager, I was an, like I said, aspiring ladies, man, as, a, as an, an adult man, I was, I was a, I was a whore. Uh, and I made it my business to talk to as many girls and sleep with as many girls as I could. But under the surface, it, it wasn't that. It was, it started to lean towards being with women. I mean, being with men more and more. And it really started because the, the sexual, the sexual, the advancement of my mind uh, sexually came at an early age. I lost my virginity to a girl at nine years old. She was nine years old. We were both in the fourth grade together and we both had the same class together. We, we were friends. She was a tomboy. We played football, basketball, everything together. Her father had like this massive volume of adult movies. And she, I was telling her one day, that uh, I've seen more, you know, sex scenes than you have. Because I, I really think, you know, I've seen what I've seen on the soap opera. So, and then I've seen, you know, Love Jones and Boys in the Hood. So I'm really thinking I've seen something significant. 
And then she says, trust me, you ain't seen what I seen. So then she writes me over to her house one day and I see, you know, my first real adult movie. And it's hardcore. This, I'm sorry, this is at age nine that you saw I, this? Yeah, movie? I was nine. Yeah, I was nine. And uh, I'm seeing real triple X hardcore porn. So I'm seeing what the man is doing again. I'm faced with this, with this uh, experience again. And I'm seeing what the man is doing. I'm like, okay, I, yeah, I want to, I want to do that. I do want to do that. But the fireworks just go off in my mind now. Cause I'm like, okay, I really want to be a woman now because in the soap opera scene, she wasn't moaning. She wasn't grabbing onto him. It, it didn't look that pleasurable. It looked, it looked safe. It looked sensual and uh, passionate. This looked like it was euphoria uh, when I saw adult movies. So I said, I really want to be her now because they're adding the passion to what looks like pleasure to me. So it, it heightened there. The embryo grew even more to where it was a living, breathing body in my mind. And I still, on the surface, I wanted to be a ladies' man because I felt that that's what I was supposed to be. Uh, I felt that I was supposed to be fly, be tough, be aggressive, fight when I needed to. But I wanted the love that a woman was supposed to get. So it was, it was just the surface. Okay. So let me recap. You said from ages five to seven, you fooled around with other, other little boys. Willing. Mm -hmm. Yes. What types of things did you do with these other little boys? What were you guys doing? Just everything except out. everything except penetration. Um, I was, um, I, I mean, you could say I was pretty sexually advanced at, at five. Um, I knew, I just felt like, I felt in my mind, I said, okay, both of us have privates. Maybe we'll feel good to put my mouth on his privates. Or maybe it would feel good to, to kiss him here on this particular area that feels good to me. And maybe we'll feel good to kiss him. Um, um, the first time I tongue kissed a human being was a, was a boy. And uh, it was, at that time, it was exhilarating for me because I felt like, wow, I'm, I'm like the girl in the soap opera scene. Like, How this is what I, I, was, I was about seven, about seven. I was, I, 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 no, I was seven, I was seven. I, was, I, was, I wasn't eight yet. I was still living the, uh, in an apartment. My, my parents were really living at that time. Mm -hmm. So um, at age eight, you said you there was a transition. You started to feel more, I suppose around age eight to 12, you probably started to, you were entering puberty. You were- Yeah, I was. And of course, um, young men make more testosterone to, to help propel mm -hmm. that transition to enter puberty, the stages of puberty. Um, and so, and you even mentioned that during that phase, you felt more like a boy. Um, you were fighting, you were aggressive, you were fighting back the way your mother had taught you. Um, and then even, you just said at the age of nine, you lost your virginity to another nine-year-old, but it wasn't a boy, it was a little girl. Yeah. Okay, so that was at age nine, and you mentioned around that time, I suppose, that watching the pornos were a factor in you, your curiosity and wanting to try some of those things. That's exactly what it was. Um, it's kind of like, if you see uh, Alan Iverson back in 96 or 97 with the, with his, with the patented crossover, you want to do it because you want to get the same rise out of the crowd that he got. And it looks like it is exciting. So that's what you seek after. Gotcha. So what did you and this little girl do at age nine? You said you lost your virginity. I want to be clear about what you mean by losing your virginity. Understood. Um, so for a minute, we just did everything but penetration. And we tried penetration a few times, but it just wasn't successful. And we, we like, what do, you, everything, what, do you, what do you mean by it wasn't successful? Um, I didn't know that as a nine-year-old boy that girls are tight. I just felt like, well, maybe it just, it doesn't fit or it's not supposed to go in there or it just doesn't work. 
but were you uh, were you erect? Yeah, I I was getting erect when I was when I was a little a little boy. Yeah. Were you controlling it? Were you able to control your erections? Do you remember at that age feeling excited and you would feel your penis grow hard? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I remember it. I remember it because I would sometimes when I was like five and six and seven, it would be like, wow. Like, I knew that it was a, a, an arousal. Um, even with when, when I was with, uh, did things with little boys. But I knew when this young lady that I was uh, have interacting with, she was she was pretty developed to be a nine-year-old girl. She had like B-cup breasts, um, like leaning on like the size of C-cup breasts almost. Um, she was very curvy to be nine. Um, she was a tomboy, but you could, when she wore tank tops and big t-shirts, you could still see her figure and her clothes. Um, so I was, it was, it was to, to see what I saw on the adult movie and then to see her vulnerable in, in a naked vulnerable state. Um, it, 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 it definitely aroused me. And I, I, I would, being a, a grown married man now, um, obviously I understand having experiences where you just, you stay aroused and erect through the entire, you know, session of lovemaking or what have you with my wife. But at that time, I didn't understand why I was with her, but I, I, I was aroused the entire time. So, like I said, we tried to have intercourse for, for a few times, but it, it didn't work at first. But everything else we saw on TV, we did. Um, I didn't know there was one time where I started seeing this uh, clear substance coming from my penis. And I'm like, oh, what's that? She's like, ugh. And then I seen this clear substance running down her leg. And I'm like, ugh. When I got about 12, I was like, wow, that's crazy. Because I knew what it was then. I didn't know what it was when I was nine. And then one day we just went, we just like, we're going to go all the way. We're going to really try to do it. And when I looked up, uh, by the time I looked like, by the time I really realized what was happening, I was, I was penetrating her. And then I had, uh, I was, I remember I was like in a sweat. I was excited, but it was like, whoa, what is this feeling? And that was the day I lost my virginity. So how old were you at that point? I was still nine. Because it felt like a long time, but it was just the whole school year we, we, we were we were uh, uh, sneaking around uh, at her house. Where it were was, her parents? Where were her parents? Um, my parents were at work, and her parents were at work. And I used to sneak out the my back my back uh, the back of my house, run across my backyard, go through another backyard. And her house was right across the street from there. And if her parents ever came home and caught us, oh God! If my parents ever came home and caught us. But I mean, growing up as latchkey kids, and I had older siblings. My, my sister's uh, two years older than me, and my brother is a year older than me. It's three of us. You know, you come home together, you keep the, the door shut and locked. As your parents say, don't go outside till I come home, or don't open the door for nobody. But kids are kids. And uh, my, my, my strong advisement and suggestion is I have two little kids now. My son is four, my daughter is, uh, my son is five, my daughter's four. I want to keep them engaged in as many activities as possible. I don't want them to have a lot of idle time for things to creep up in their mind and find other ways to stimulate themselves. I want that to come in a place where I can discuss with them and talk about them, talk about it transparently, and they can have understanding of it and not it be presented to them where it's a shock and it's abrupt and then they have to respond to it, you know, with their natural thinking in their bodies. Okay. So, guys, we're going to take a break and come right back with uh, Victor Bell of Victor Bell Ministries. Give me one moment and we will return. All right, so I just wanna thank you again, uh, Mr. Bell for sharing so much of your personal history with, with, um, with me and also with uh, my listeners, my followers and, and folks who stay engaged with the Brain Love Podcast. These things are very difficult for a lot of people to discuss because you know, what you're describing, these are traumatic events from your past. Um, and eventually I'll ask you about that as an adult, when you look back on it, how you felt and going through so many experiences as a young child, um, you know, at the age of five, being exposed to intimacy and, and, you know, movies and scenes that are really sound like they were rated PG and 
PG-13. By the way, what year were you born? 86. 1986. So this was happening in, you were born in 86. Wow. So you're in your 30s. Yeah, I'm 34. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All righty. So folks, um, you've been listening and, and uh, we've been talking for about the last 30 minutes or longer, a little bit longer about Mr. Bell's first 12 years of his life. He's given us um, some really descriptive scenarios of um, tongue kissing at the first time at the age of seven. And by the way, when you did that, was that with a boy or a girl? It was, a, it was with a boy Yeah, we were in a closet. Um, and uh, this boy was, um, he was pretty sexually advanced too to be his age. Um, he grew up with a house full of women and he was, he was pretty outwardly feminine. And uh, he, he did it abruptly, but when he did it, I was, I was surprised, but I immediately, I was like, I welcomed it. I didn't fight it. Um, I returned the same energy to him. And, uh, and I, and, and I understand what you're saying. Um, I don't, I may not have the clinician, the cl uh, clinical definition of trauma, but I do understand I'm, I'm an educator. I won't uh, share where I'm in a, uh, where I, uh, yeah, where I work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, trauma comes in many forms. And it's things that remind us of feelings and uh, anxieties, worries, um, even pleasures that we we remember, you know, uh, through significant parts of our lives. And um, it is uh, it's fascinating to see what I went, what I experienced, and what I was exposed to at that age, but. The truth of the matter is there are a lot of kids, people mm -hmm. and people my age that have experienced. I've met people that would that say to me, I never knew somebody had a story like me. I thought I would it was just me. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's very common. It is very yeah. common. One in four girls um, have been sexually molested, violated, and I believe it's one in six boys. And it's, it's probably more than that, but that's how many folks have come forward mm -hmm. and shared their history. So during the time that you just mentioned the seven-year-old who, who kissed you, you said he was pretty feminine. He, he grew up with women, a lot of women. Mm -hmm. He mm -hmm. seemed feminine. Mm -hmm. My question to you, and, and I don't like to make assumptions because you know what they say about assuming. Yes, ma'am. Earlier in the interview, you said your family said, we don't know you as gay, Victor. We only know you as the ladies' man, Victor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that leads me to believe that you were never a feminine-looking man. That you... Not on the surface. On the surface, I was tight t-shirt wearing, muscles rugged outspoken outgoing uh wanting to be fly fresh smooth talking ladies man that was me that's the guy they saw um under the surface when i was with men i was as feminine as my wife or you what do you mean what would you do that made you feminine when you were with a man if you can, if you've ever seen adult films with women that are with several men at a time or a woman that's with several men at a time, that was me when I was with men. I was, I was, my goal was to be everything that a woman was to get the love that women get. And the adversary, and people may, may be listening and saying, well, who's the adversary? If you're a believer, you know um, him to be Satan. Mm -hmm. If you're not a believer in Christ Jesus, maybe we'll say, saying, well, that's just of his faith. And I understand that. Um, uh, but the adversary said to me, you'll never be loved like a woman unless you can take what a woman can take. And that stuck with me because it was, a, it was like winning a championship to be the woman in the bathtub. So I got to prepare my mind to do this. 
I got to prepare my body to do this. And I want to do this because going through the, 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 the hardship of winning a championship is so much sweeter when you hold the trophy up in here. And I felt like that was my trophy. So, so under it, it sounds like you're saying this was like an initiation. You had to go through these steps to truly earn being at some point in love, receiving the same love as you have seen other women receive in these different scenes on these movies and, and shows. I guess you could, I guess you could say that like it was just like a self initiation. Um, I felt it was more of a journey, um, like or a, a quest, if you will, to get to like you know get the ring of power, if you will. Um, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan, um, but that's what it was for me. Um, and like I said, under the surface, um, where people didn't know who I was, I could I switched like a woman. I walked like a woman. I talked like a woman. I was feminine like a woman. I was I, I was very confident that I had something over women. So th you did that switching like a woman, talk like a woman, act like a woman. You did that. You said for strangers, for people who didn't know you. Mm -hmm. So in front of other men who and also in front of other women who didn't know you or just in front of the men you were hanging out with. The men at the, and, and I got to be I got to be uh, uh, plain about it. The men I was sleeping with because I never I never really hung out like really like was around people for a long period of time. If I was around a band that I didn't know 98% of the time at that point in my life, and, that, and I say that point in my life, I say that was in, either in college, latter in college or af in after college. Mm -hmm. If I was around a man or men, I was, ha I, was getting I was having sex or getting ready to have sex. Um, uh, so I were... You you weren't just around men who you were friends with, platonic with. You, you well, well, most of the people, like like I said, ninety eight percent of the time, if I didn't know you, um, gotcha. and, and 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 uh, like being intentional with that type of uh, that atmosphere or that or that or that type of setup. Um, but yeah, I played college football, so yeah, I'm a, I'm definitely I was around guys I didn't know is that where I, I threw parties in college. Um, I. Uh, through parties after college. So I was definitely around people I didn't know. But even with my college teammates, my college teammates were shocked when they heard. Like, nah, I don't. They laughed. Some of them, I don't believe you. Like, for real, I don't believe you. Because um, you were just that masculine. Yeah, I, I was, I, oh, yes. I was, I used to attend heterosexual swinger parties too. Like, I used to go to little events where people, quote unquote, as the term goes, play. So, my masculinity was, it was hyper as, as the term is, and it was important to me. So sleeping with five women in one night or meeting a girl you meet in the club and sleeping with her that night or um, wearing, I used to, like, my, my goal was to, on the surface, I, I'm, I'm going to wear the shirt that makes the girls go, oh, that's just a cute shirt. Like all the other guys dress normal, white shirt black shirt, black hat, you know, I, I want to wear something that like really pops to the eye. And, but that's just the surface, matching uh, shoes, matching hat. That's the surface. Under the surface, I felt more confident than women. And I, cause, because I felt like I've watched how girls are treated. I watch how girls maturate into teenage girls and then they maturate into women. I have the upper hand on you because I know what a man is thinking. I know what he wants. I know what he don't want, doesn't want. I know how he wants to be touched, how he wants to be left alone, how he wants his ego stroke. I know what, I know the nonverbal communication you can have with a man. And I know that because I'm a man and I can do what you do. I can physically experience him the way you experience him. So I have the upper hand on you. And I didn't share this. Oh, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. I'm sorry. You didn't. I didn't share this before, but as we were talking about from the ages of eight to 12, mm -hmm. I was verbally bullied. I was made fun of a lot because of my skin tone. And people say to this day, but you're not even that dark. Um, but people used to make fun of me because of my skin tone, my clothes I wore, my, my, my parents, my dad. My dad used to work two and three jobs. He worked in the Army National Guard. Uh, he worked at department stores, things of that nature. And we could afford a nice house. We lived in a very nice suburb. Uh, one of the uh, highest grossing suburbs in America today um, and in the, uh, the um, uh, county, Prince George's County in uh, a suburb outside of D.C. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm from Maryland. Okay, okay. 
Uh, that small world. Down in DMV. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I am, I am homegrown DMV. Gotcha. Four ninety five, <laughs> two ten, yeah. Indian Head Highway. Yes, ma'am. Right. So, PG um, County. PG County. Yes, ma'am. They say call it Pretty Girl County. That's what I, when I went out of town, as they used to say. Yeah. Um, um, so, so let me ask you this: You said that you knew exactly how a man thought because you're a man. You knew how he wanted to be touched. You knew when he wanted to be left alone. Did you use that to your advantage when you were engaging with men sexually? And absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I, in my mind, this is this is this is how I envisioned it. Being verbally bullied and walking in a room when your when your parents have don't can't afford designer clothes and you and you have payless shoes on or as I said in my poem or uh, hand me downs and and you're being made fun of before you even touch the door, snickers and groups about you and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. When you're with a man who is giving I give, I would get the attention that I give my wife or that you would get walking in a room and you haven't said two words yet. So when I was with men, I felt that I want to be the woman that just gives him the most exhilarating experience to his ego and to his body. And if he never sees me again, he will always remember that moment. So, but, but it sounds like you were doing the opposite of what you were seeking. You said you wanted to be the one who was being loved on and poured into, but just by what you said a few seconds ago, you're saying you were doing that for the men. You were doing that for them. And I'm, I'm glad you said that because in my mind, growing up, I started to see how girls made themselves available to men and it got a certain response. So I felt if I make myself available to men, I'll get the response of the love that I want. Mm. And what I didn't know was I was going down the rabbit hole of just lust and yeah. sexual desires. I had, and it, it, it didn't dawn on me. Like you, you think that, you know, you're just going to sell drugs and then you got to uh, get into the point where you got to, you're not nickel and diamond no more. You got to, you know, you got to get a bigger quantity. And then you got to get a bigger quantity and you start getting a little more attention and you start having a little more territory and then you got to protect your territory. Then you start carrying a pistol. And then when you start carrying a pistol, you got to use it. You can't just say you about it and don't be about it. And then you got to deal with the cops. So now you can't snitch. Now you really need deep in the game. And that's what it was. It turned into for me. I went into it wanting love. And as I said before, um, being verbally, uh, I got verbally bullied. And I saw how girls were treated. So this added to the want for love or the want to be loved like a woman or, or the, the, the idea, the definition of what I thought love was and, be, and being as a woman, like a woman to get it. And in addition to that, I didn't share this with you earlier. Um, my dad never sexually abused me, but my father, my real, my biological father, we're great friends today. Uh, he's, uh, I take care of my dad. Like he took care of me when I was a, a, a small child. Mm-hmm. But my dad used to physically abuse, abuse me. He used to hit me. My mother spanked me. So I knew the difference. I know some people don't agree with spankings, but I knew the difference. I, I never felt that my mother was hostile or, or, or abusive towards me. Mm-hmm. My dad, I felt, was. And my dad wouldn't just spank me. My dad would punch me, would slap me for stuff that he didn't have to slap me or punch me for. It was stuff that he was, he was saying vicariously through other things, and he took it out on me. So I fought my father at 14. I stood toe-to-toe with my father and, and threw blows with him. Like I was in the middle of a boxing ring. And I told him, you'll never put your hands on me again. When you were so ne- I was 14. So having experienced all three of those things, being verbally bullied, being physically abused, and seeing how girls are treated, it, all of those things were, were the ingredients, or as, as the scripture says, the goods of the strong, of the strong man. Strong man for me was lust and home, uh, homosexuality, lust and perversion and uh those things just fed the it, those were the they, they 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 heightened the voids and i wanted to fill them with what i felt or identified defined as love and i felt that if i give myself to men like this that i will be loved like the woman in the soap opera bathtub thing and what i experienced like i said walking in a room we got all the men you know 
I mean, you're a woman, so you understand, and, you're, some, and, you're, and your listeners, are a lot of them are women as well. So you understand when you walk in a room and a man makes up a stupid joke to get in your face. A man shows that he got all the money. He's super, he's super flashy. He's super uh, religious, and he just loves the Lord, and he's excellent, and really intelligent, or he's a thug, or he's a gangster. Whatever game or ploy they got to present, I was introduced to the smorgasbord of that, but on a level where I am the apple of every man's eye. Every man is lined up to sleep with me. I've, I've been in rooms where all the men are like, I want my chance at him. Oh boy. All right, man. So guys, we're going to take a break again. And actually this break is going to be for a week because you know that I don't like for my episodes to go over an hour and we're not even really halfway through this conversation about homosexual homosexuality and transitioning to be or to live a heterosexual lifestyle. Um, and so I'm going to come back with uh, Mr. Bell and I have more questions for him. Questions, sir, regarding um, your timeline, your sexual timeline now as an adult. We spent several minutes exploring and discussing um, what was occurring with you as a, a young child starting at the age of five. You took us up to about, I would say, you talked a little bit about college, but you really took us through, uh, you took us to puberty. You took us up to age 12 or 13. And so we're gonna come back. I have some questions for you regarding um, your lifestyles and homosexual when you were an adult. So guys, come back next Sunday. Mr. Bell will be back on and we're gonna continue this conversation. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need it's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs. Know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations. Limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership. Own your mistakes. Learn from them and move on. Vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love.